Hey there, my name is Chris Wallace, and I am the lead pastor at Hope City Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. We exist to lead people to enjoy Jesus and multiply disciples in real life. We are so glad you're checking out our podcast today. We hope this message inspires you, challenges you, and most importantly, draws you closer to Jesus in a real way. For more information about Hope City, you can check out our website at hopecitybismarck.com. All right, guys, how is everybody doing this morning? Very good. Um, Yeah, as Chris said, um, I've been working towards the role of becoming an elder here with Hope City. Um, And a lot of times what comes up when, when I tell somebody that, is they ask me, you know, what do you do with Hope City? So I tell them my kind of like my main role within Hope City is I, I lead the music um, on Sunday morning. So they always go, oh, are you going to be a worship pastor? And I go, no. <laughs> and oh, goodness, that was really loud. I'm going to like hold it way down here. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I usually tell them no. And then the reason I tell them that is because I feel like it's a misuse of the word worship. Um, so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to look at... Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this is kind of a special verse too because Romans 12, 2 is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. So when it came up to um, time for me to preach this go around, Chris asked me, he said, do you want to keep going through Mark or do you want to do something different? Um, So I chose something different. Uh, So we're taking a break from the Mark series today and we're going to be in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, But this, this passage specifically, it talks about worship and verse one, and it talks about our spiritual worship and how worship is more than just music, right? Because the reason I tell people no, and I said, maybe it's a misuse of the word worship is because our worship is more than just the music we sing in church on Sunday or the music we listen to on the radio while we're driving to work or whatever. Um, our, our worship should be everything about our life. And I think we'll see that revealed through the passage today. Um, worship is music, but it's also, it's so much more than that. Um, so just a little setup for Romans 12 before we hop right into the scripture. Um, what's happening here in chapter 12 is there's kind of a shift. There's kind of a break from chapters 1 through 11. 1 through 11 is is kind of a setup for 12 because we'll see in 12 in verse 1, it's like three or four words in, it says the word therefore. Anytime we see that word, we know that it's like it means including everything that I've said up until now but also this. Um, so if 11 is, if we look at it as the how, um, chapters 12 and through the rest of Romans is the, no, yeah, no, I said that backwards. One through 11 is the why. (laughs) And then chapters 12 through the end is the how, right? Um, but a really good example of this is chapter six. So Romans is, the, you know, the first half is all about God's plan for redemption. Well, chapter six is all about that. It, um, it's about how we were dead in our own sin, but we've been made alive through Christ. So if we, if we're in chapter six, it's 13 and 14, and I'll just read these real quick. They're not going to be on the screen. It says this, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have dominion over you. 
since, I think it's supposed to say, sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. I missed a word there when I was copying and pasting. <laughs> um, but then chapter 6 ends with a very popular verse, 623, and it says this. Some of you guys may know it off the head, or off the top of your head before I even say it, but it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So once we get into 12, 1 and 2, we see at the very beginning it says, Paul writes, by the mercies of God. These are the mercies of God that he's talking about, how Jesus has brought us from a life bound for death into a life of everlasting life through his death on the cross, right? He was the payment for our sins. So let's go ahead. We're going to jump right in to the text here, and it's 12, 1 and 2. If you guys want to follow along in your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen as well. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's word for God's people. So, again, just to come back and highlight at the beginning of Verse 1, we see a couple words to, to look at. The first word that pops out is the word appeal. Um, and this word, appeal, in the ESV translation, it sounds a little like, okay, cool, he's like making a statement. But in other words, or if you look at the original language, um, in other translations it says, I urge you or I beg you. So Paul's not just like making like a nonchalant statement here. When he writes, I appeal to you, anytime you see that in Scripture, it's a very like, emphatic there's like emphasis on what he's about to say he's really he wants to make sure that the people that are reading this letter that he has written really pay attention from here on out and then he says therefore so like i said chapters 1 through 11 would be the why and then so it is why we're supposed to live this way right um it's the why is because jesus has brought us from death to life through his sacrifice on the cross and then the how um so Next, if we're following through the verse, we see to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So this is kind of a key part right here. Um, in the phrase, your bodies as a living sacrifice, that's kind of a strange phrase maybe. Um, but if we think back to the Old Testament, um, what was needed to offer up as a sacrifice? It needed to be something perfect and spotless something holy and acceptable to God, right? We can never do that on our own. Jesus does that in our place. That's the only way through Jesus is how we can be made holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. And the living sacrifice comes in where it's, you know, we can't, it's not just a one-time offer, right? We don't just say, okay, you know, that's cool. Offer my life to Christ. Now I can go do whatever I want. It's, it's a living sacrifice. So that means that's a, it's a daily transformation that we undergo. It's a daily process to be continually made like Christ until we die to return with him, right? So the living part, living sacrifice just means that daily we are putting our lives on the altar to be lived for God in worship for God. And that's why it says, and that is your spiritual worship because worship is everything about our lives. And we'll, we'll, we'll continue and we'll, we'll get into that some more. Um, and then a really good way to think of this is, so I'm married, I have a wife and we have a little girl. She just turned one year old last Saturday, little Evelyn. Um, 
I can't change those things about my life though, right? Everywhere I go, I am Rachel's husband. Everywhere I go, I am Evelyn's father. When I leave the house or when I'm not with my wife or my child, they're not in the room right now. I'm still my wife's husband. I'm still my daughter's father. Those things don't change about me, right? So if we look at the life of Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he lived his life in servitude of others in worship to God, right? He never, that never changed about him. And that's kind of what, it's just a, it's just an example, a way to think about it. Everywhere we go, everything we do, our, our lives should be lived in worship to our heavenly father who brought us from death to life through Jesus. And then if we continue, we're going to read into verse two. Now we'll reread the verse and it says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Give me a sec. I'm going to drink some water real quick. (laughs) Okay, there we go. So I'm a good responsible adult and I drink nothing but coffee sometimes. But then like the day after I drink nothing but coffee all day, I'm like super dehydrated. Crazy, right? Anyway, so the two big words we're going to talk about here out of verse two are going to be conform and transform. So we'll start with conformed. Um, And like I said, we've been going through Mark, taking a break today. But in Mark, what comes up a lot, it's a gospel about the life of Jesus. So we look at the life of Jesus. And in Jesus' life, who was it that Jesus was always with, right? He was always with people that weren't with him. You know what I mean? Like, in a way of saying, like, he was with people that weren't perfect or had it all together. Nobody was perfect except for Jesus. But a lot of times what, what, what I'm getting at, I guess, is a lot of times Christians like to just hang out with other Christians. Um, that's good. And we'll see that in a little bit too. But also Christians, we can't help, but we exist in this world. We can't help that. We can't change that until, you know, Jesus comes. Um, we exist in this world, but we should look markably different from the world. That's what it means right here when it says, do not be conformed to the world. We can't change the fact that we are here and present and living in this world. But what we can change is how we respond to the world around us. What we can change is how we treat the world around us. Um, and so it says, do not be conformed, um, but be transformed, right? So how can we avoid looking just like everybody else in the world? Well, that is the only way we can do that is for our minds to be continually transformed, right? So it says renewal. Um, let the renewal of your mind um, or be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So renewal is not like a done. Like it's not like our minds are renewed and then it's done. It is an ongoing process. If you read in other translations, it might say renewing. It means the same thing right here in the ESV. This is an ongoing renewal. This is a, like I said, it's a daily process. We offer our lives. We offer up to be a living sacrifice. We offer to pursue Jesus and the life that he lived to be like him, um, to imitate the things that he did. And because in our own mind, in our own flesh, in our own strength, we, we can't help but be hostile towards God. In Romans 8, it says this in verse 7. It says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Um, so it, it's, it's our natural inclination to want to deny God, to want to disobey God, to want to live life for ourselves, right? To want to live a life that is not lived in worship, to want to do things that please ourselves. Um, in a good way, I think... You know, to know, like, 
is my mind transformed or not? So is, I mean, a real easy way I would say is like, so when you do something that's wrong, like, do you know it's wrong? Because if you know it's wrong, then, you know, growing up in church, we like, I always heard that the Holy Spirit, you know, God's Holy Spirit is, is like your consciousness, you know, like you have that little voice in the back of your head. That's like, that was wrong. Don't do that. I've always, you know, there was like an example, but it, you know, that's kind of what they, what they would think because your mind has been renewed and it's continual renewing because before your mind was hardened, your heart was hardened. You didn't, you know, maybe you didn't know the, the wickedness of your, your sins. Um, and then, you know, another, another example for conformed and transformed is like how we treat people when we're in public. So a real good example is like, if you go to a restaurant and you get, Maybe bad service or your food's not that great. It's a bummer. It's happened to everybody before. But how do you treat the people that are around you? Because often, if, if we're honest, what happens is, it, whether, you're, whether you're a Christian or not, we always want to get back. We always want to say whatever. We want to be mean to the server, be mean to the manager, whoever, write a bad review. You know, like, oh, I'm getting mine. I'm getting my payback. You know, they did me wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but I think more... What we should do is, as Christians, is show grace to that person, right? Because we've been saved by grace, only by the grace of God that we've been brought into this new life, into this um, transformed life. And I think we should show that same grace. And it's not just that I think it is not me just saying, oh, you know, that sounds like a good idea. It's literally, it's the life of Jesus. People did Jesus wrong. Who were the ones that did Jesus wrong ultimately in the end? It was his friends. It was the people that he did ministry with, right? It was it was the people that he spent so much time with and did lived his life with his well his ministry um, his life and ministry with they were the ones that ended up betraying him right so but what did Jesus do the whole way through he showed grace and the whole way through he lived his perfect life and he still died for their sins and for our sins right um, and then you know just another another example push it one step further I do I work at Starbucks. Um, it's a, it's a good job for me right now because I'm getting free college. They have um, good health insurance, so it's really cool. But a lot of my coworkers, I'll hear them talking, and they say, I don't normally work Sundays. Um, but they'll say Sundays are like the worst because the customers are the worst. you know. And they have, they have this reputation, or they don't have a reputation. They have um, this understanding that it's, it's Christians, whether it is or not. But they have this understanding because, in, you know, here in America, our culture, Sunday is church day. You know, so they have this belief amongst themselves that all oh, the Christians are the ones, you know, they're supposed to be all righteous and holy, blah, blah, blah. And they're coming in here and they're screaming at my teenage coworker because they're taking too long making their drinks. You know, whether it's true or not, you know, it probably is sometimes and probably isn't other times. But all that to say is our lives, the way we the way we treat people, the way we think about people, the way we talk to people, the way we live our life just in general it should look different than the way the rest of the world lives their lives. Because what should happen is, you know, maybe in that example, we see somebody belittle an employee somewhere. We come up behind them and, you know, we just offer, you don't have to do anything crazy. You just offer a kind word, you know, like, Hey, I'm really sorry. They were rude. Like, I know you guys are doing your best. You guys are doing great. Whatever. That might not mean anything, but that's better. That's a better example to the life that Jesus lived than just being another person in line. That's like, man, you guys are really doing a horrible job. This is really annoying. My drink tastes horrible. (laughs) You know, like it's just one example. There could be endless examples. Um, but the big difference is Jesus Christ, right? 
Jesus is the one who changes our life. He should change our life, right? And um, he should make us live a life that's different. And it's not for any other reason than we're pursuing the life that Jesus lived. We look into scripture. We see how Jesus treated people. We see how Jesus, you know, interacted with people and we imitate those behaviors. Um, so there's, there's a couple ways that we'll talk about, um, here quick about how, how do we worship in all of our lives? How is it, how is, you know, our spiritual worship, whatever you want to say, our, um, where's it at? Living sacrifice. There it is. I had to look back in the word. Um, but how is that, you know, how do we live that out in life? What, what, what is the practical ways? There's a couple ways. Um, Chris and I read this book earlier this year um, called Worship Matters. And it's a, it was a book that talks about some of, you know, what we're talking about today, how worship is music, but it's more than just music. Because um, that's just a very common thought among the American church is that, you know, oh, we're going to worship. And I, I even still catch myself in a trap sometimes of saying, oh, you know, I lead worship on Sundays, whatever partially true, but I'm talking specifically about the music, you know, um, but really worship should be everything in our lives. So there's two ways, um, that we do that. And the book calls them worship gathered and worship scattered. So worship gathered might be a little easier to, um, you know, put your minds around worship gathered is this right here gathered together with other believers, right? Worshiping our heavenly father. We come together, we sing songs together. We listen to um, God's word be preached together. We read God's word together. We study God's word together. Another way we do that is through um, community groups. And that also leads into one of our, our core values over here, disciple making. Um, through community groups, we, we, we use those as, as more kind of like stripped down ways. You make disciples through kind of like Corporate worship, we'll call it, um, the big church gathering, but also through um, community groups, you can be a lot more intentional um, about making disciples and about studying God's word and really kind of get into that and about how that should change and shape our lives. Um, and then the next is going to be worship scattered. So worship scattered is a little, um, maybe a little less easy to grasp. But again, you know, if we're looking at the life of Jesus and we use him as the example or even, you know, we're thinking back to how I said, everywhere I go, um, I'm Rachel's husband, or I'm Evelyn's father, right? That should be kind of how we think about our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Everywhere we go, that doesn't change about us. Everywhere we go, Jesus has still bought our life with his blood, right? So that should change the way that we interact with the world around us, no matter where we're at, whether we're in, whether we're at work, we should be a good employee. We should treat our coworkers fairly. We should treat, if you own a business, treat your employees fairly. Um, your business, your partnerships, your relationships, anything that has to do with that, whether you're at work, whether you're out to eat at a restaurant, whether you're in the grocery store, um, you know, whether, like, here's a real good one, <laughs> whether you're driving down the road, you know, everybody, everybody loves getting like cut off in traffic or, you know, you're just driving along your mind in your own business and some dude pulls up beside you and, you know, he shows you his one finger wave. <laughs> you're like, what did I even do? Everybody loves those moments. What do you do back in those moments? Do you, do you show him, you know, the same, the same wave or are you just like, okay, yeah, have a nice day, buddy. <laughs> like, does that trigger anger in you or, you know, and that, that, we get angry. We can't help it. We're, we're part of, um, 
you know, we're born into a life of sin that Jesus rescues us from, right? But I think the bigger kind of picture I'm getting at here is, is your mind continually being transformed or do you just give yourself over to those things? You just, do you just like to be angry just so you can get back at somebody? Um, do you like to just, you know, kind of go to work and do enough to get by, you know, like when I was in high school, um, I was like, I was a really good C student. I did just enough to get by, you know? Um, and then, you know, I went to college at Mississippi state right out of high school and flunked out. I wonder why, <laughs> cause I didn't have years of, you know, building good habits to fuel me through college. Um, but yeah, are we doing the most to make our lives be a life lived in worship, um, to our heavenly father? when we're out in the world, when, because we exist, we just naturally exist in the world. Um, so is our life a life that is worthy to be lived in worship to God? Um, and then another, another verse to, to give you guys real quick is from Hebrews thirteen fifteen. It just tells us this. It says through him, him being Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge him. And that's just another another way to look into Scripture to see that this isn't just Romans 12, 1 and 2 that talks about this. This is all throughout Scripture. about You see it in the Psalms about how um, our lives should be lived in worship or about you know calling out to God to um, allow us to be able to live this life of worship to Him. Um, so before we, um, before we end, we're going to have a response time here in just a minute. I, ju- I just want to read... Um, this passage in a different translation. We're going to read the message translation. I really like the message translation sometimes um, because it really, it's, it kind of reads, or if you're listening to it, a lot of times I'll listen to the Bible, but I'll do the message translation because it kind of reads like a sermon almost, or like it, it reads like, um, like just how you would paraphrase it maybe. So it says this about Romans 12, one and two, this is the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I want to read that last sentence one more time. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And with that, I just want to close in a prayer real quick before we um, have communion and before Chris and Tim come back up to lead us through another song. Um, Father God, we're just so thankful this morning, God. We're thankful um, for your mercy that you have on us, God, through your son, Jesus. We're thankful for the life that Jesus lived, God, the perfect, spotless, holy, and acceptable life that he lived, God, so that we could be brought to you into relationship with you um, through his shed blood on our cro- on the cross, God. Um, God, we thank you for continually renewing our minds, God, to continually drawing us back to you, God, through your spirit. God, we're thankful that your spirit lives inside of us, God, so we can have a relationship with you, God, so we can hear from you through your word and through prayer, Father. And Lord, as we continue to worship today, um, it's just my, it's my prayer, God, that 
you continue to exist among this place, God, and you just change and shape the hearts of everybody here in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.